I count it no coincidence that today would be your 42nd birthday. Happy birthday. This is a tribute to you. Feels like it was yesterday night and we were doing what we typically do, hanging out. And you were my ride or die to all of our friends' events. Brother-in-law? Absolutely not. Brother-in-love doesn't even explain the closeness. When you've known someone since you were three and they take you in and let you call them play dad when you're only eight or nine and they're no more than 16 or 17 years old themselves. You are always the person to share my little fragile insecurities too. And then the ultimate dream happens. You become a part of my family permanently when I was 12. It was a unique bond that I will never be able to have with anyone else. No offense to any future brothers-in-law. You just can't buy back time in those innocent experiences. The countless stories, the songwriting, the hours upon hours of talks. There really was no separating our bond. Saturday, October 15, 2011. We were driving to some friends' engagement party together. We stuffed our faces with nostalgic Chicago-style pizza at Giordano's and drove home with glutton-full bellies. And without fail, we began to have one of our deep life conversations. This time, we were talking about fears. And if I'm honest, I can't even remember what I said mine were. But what you said to me will always be a repeated lyric that plays occasionally in my head. You said you were afraid that you would die early. Sunday, October 16th comes, and in the evening, you and Mo go on a date. And from what I can remember, Sean and Mo came back from the night, and Monique says, get your jacket and let's go, kind of forcefully. I asked you what happened. And with a slight smirk, you said nonchalantly, I told Mo I was having some chest pains and she's making me go to the ER. A few hours later, you guys returned and it's pretty late. And then in the middle of the night is when hell breaks loose. Sean is rushed to the hospital for sudden severe pain. And while he's there, my mom and I get a call from Mo to pray because he's having a heart attack. We rush to the hospital, my mother, Sean's sister, Burgundy, and myself, and we are in that lobby calling down heaven and praying for a miracle. You cannot tell me that things wouldn't work out. As hopeful as we were, we received the news that he had slipped away. Sean was gone, and life as we knew it would never be the same. As I wrapped my head Around the fact that Sean was gone, I began to process even more that my 31-year-old big sister, within minutes, had gone from married to now a widow. You're listening to the Awkward Single Life Podcast. My name is Tiffany Hines. I am a singer, songwriter, a creative who also is a single woman who finally put language to mine and others' dating experiences. Dating culture is awkward. I've heard so many untold stories from men and women, and the time has come to share them. And as your homegirl, I got you. We'll talk sexuality, dating, breakups, singleness, marriage, and all the craziness in between and how to give God glory in it, no matter what age you are, it's going to be a wild ride. So let's get to it. Wow, I think that um, hearing that in all of the years since he's been gone, I never knew that discussion happened. Um, I've always felt like Sean knew he was going to die. 
um, just in the days leading up to his death, I've always felt like some of the things he said, some of the discussions that I found out that he had with friends, um, with family, it all kind of um, leads to me believing that either he felt something was wrong with his health and it caused him to fear that he was going to die, or that God just told him that it was happening um, soon and it caused him to uh, kind of put his affairs in order in a sense. Hmm. Sister, and I'll call you sister here because I, I know that our voices are very similar and a lot of people <laughs> will not know who is Tiffany. <laughs> it happens a lot. So I'll say sister. So people know I'm talking about Mo. Okay. Sister, share your relationship with Sean. How did you guys meet and how did you become? Uh, So we met when I was 10 years old. Um, We, um, I actually met him through a, a friend's daughter. So Mom at the time was working with her coworker who invited her and us out to church. And um, at the time we had hung out with her coworker's children and me and her coworker's uh, daughter had become friends and she had told me about, you know, her friends at church and her cute boyfriend um, who at the time his name was Scooter. And I just was <laughs> like, what kind of name is Scooter, you know? And um yeah, so we we come to this church, and um, when we get to church, I don't see him. Did not see him the whole time. Um, service happens, service ends, and um, my friend at the time, she was like, hey, we're going to all go back to my, my house and have, um, you know, Sunday dinner, and my boyfriend is going to come there, and you're going to meet him, and I was like, okay, and like, she had fluff this dude up so much he's so cute and he's funny and he's this and he's that and so wow, at 10 years old at 10 <laughs> okay he was the love of her life okay like that was all she knew and that was all she talked about and so um she um we get to her house and we're playing and you know hanging around and the door someone knocks at the door and she's like oh my god he's here and so he comes in and I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, what do you see? I don't see what you see. Like, this dude is not Sean, cute. Sean, do you hear that up there? <laughs> this dude <laughs> is not cute. What do you see? And so she introduces me to Scooter. And um, that was the very first moment that I met this man who I was like, who I thought I would spend the rest of my life with. But um, at that time, I saw no interest in him at all. Um as with anyone who goes to church and grew up in church, you know, you kind of go through the church in dating as teenagers, everybody dates everybody. And so um, their relationship that was going to last every bit of forever, I think lasted probably like six weeks. (laughs) And then they broke up. And um, I want to say like maybe a year later, a year later, year and a half later, me and Sean decided to date and we got really serious. And like, then we got to this place of feeling like we were going to be together forever. And, you know, I was the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe and his world. And I was going to be his wife. And we were, we were like 11. Uh. And so so we talked on the phone. Can you hear me? We talked on the phone as much as we possibly could. We would sneak on the phone at night talk until you know somebody got on the phone most of the times it was his dad that would pick up the phone and be like get off this phone (laughs) um (laughs) but we were like completely head over heels for each other um and then we had what I call this soap opera dramatic breakup right before I went right before I graduated from eighth grade we had this very dramatic breakup and um I mean like it was over we were never going to talk to each other again. You know, I was like, what happened? So what happened was, (laughs) um, I felt like 
we were acting too much like a married couple and we weren't married. Um, not sexual because we didn't have sex. Um, but just the, um, I felt like I was being controlled in a sense. Okay. And, um, like every day that I came home from school, I had to call Scooter, you know, and tell him I was home. We had to have a conversation. If I was five minutes late from calling him, God forbid it rained and it took us longer to walk across the street from the school. Um, or, you know, if I got home and my grandmother was on the phone, um, it was this huge blow up. And so I just got tired of it. That was part of it. Then the other part was I wanted something different. Um, I don't think I was honest at the time with him because I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but I just felt like, my God, I'm only 12 years old <laughs> and, and I, I have to I don't think I've got my period yet. <laughs> right. And it's just too much going on. And so we had this, we broke up and we broke up and I thought we would be fine. But a few months later, he started dating my god sister because of course, we're in a church and all of the people kind of go around dating each other. But we had this thing that we did because of course we were together, we gonna we were gonna be together forever. And so we had this thing that we did while we were in church because you know our love was for eternity. So we always had to share it. And so we would sneak and tell each other we loved each other because we couldn't sit next to each other in church because you know our church at that time didn't believe in you dating. Um, and all of that. So oh, you go right to him. Where, yeah. Wherever he sat <laughs> and wherever I sat, we always sat at a place where we could see each other. We would sneak and tell each other, I love you. Right. And so um, we're in church and I saw him do that to my God sister. And I blew a gasket. And so it wasn't because he did it to her. It was because he did it to anybody else other than me. And it was like, that was our thing. Um, you know, as we, years later, once we made up and talked about it, he was like, I did that because I was trying to make you mad. And he did. Sounds like I, it. I cursed the ground he, he walked won. on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sean won, Mo Zero, because I was done. I was like, I will never speak to you again. And so for years, we didn't talk. We passed each other, you know, and it was very, it was a very difficult time because we all grew up together we were all friends and once we came by each other it was just like everything shut down nobody said anything it was always awkward it was always weird I mean so of course teenage years come and um go and um so yeah that's how we met was through that we had this like whole like gorgeous relationship we you know what's funny Mo? <laughs> When you were talking about, like, at 11, you're like, I felt a little controlled, and this is what I'm, he's telling me what I'm, I need to do. It makes me think of that scene in Love and Basketball, when they're little <laughs> kids, and they live across the street from each other, and they're like, well, you want to ride bikes together? Like, you want to be my, he says, you want to be my girlfriend? She's like, okay. Yeah. Well, that means we got a kiss. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, let's ride our bikes. Well, now you got to get on my bike. Right. You know, it's like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, like, that's enough, right? All this whole thing of like what I'm supposed to have to yes, do. Yes, yes. And that's kind of how I felt. And so we have this <laughs> huge breakup. We're not talking. And um, years go by. And of course, in um, the wonderful world, world of Monique, got pregnant at 16 and got pregnant with this... Um, gorgeous little boy <laughs> um but in that um Sean wanted to be his godfather and um I couldn't stand him and so I was just like no not <laughs> only did he I wish not only did he, oh yeah I couldn't stand you <laughs> <laughs> not only did he want to be it and he knew we weren't talking so he went through um my son. <laughs> godmother at the time he went through her like you got to ask her if I can be his godfather and she knew at the time that I didn't have a godfather for my son and so she's like he really loves him and you know all this stuff and I was just like no I don't like him and so he kept pushing and kept pushing and so one day I finally he asked me if he could meet with me to like plead his cause about why he should be Christian's godfather 
And I was just like, okay. But I just knew like going in, my answer is going to be no. And so I give him this long list of like the requirements to be my son's godfather. Mind you, I didn't say any of this stuff to his godmother, but I'm like, you got to teach him hockey and you got to teach him how to play basketball and football and soccer. And like, I'm naming off all these sports. Have you ever watched (laughs) hockey? (laughs) No. But I'm trying to get you to say no, right? I'm trying to get him to say no. And so, but everything I said, he was like, okay, I'll do it. And I'm like, but you only play basketball. And he's like, I'll learn it. I'll teach him. And so I finally caved in and said yes. And from the moment I said yes, it was almost like Sean's world just changed. And his entire world became about Christian. And so, um, so much so to the point that, um, in the mornings when I would, you know, walk to take Chris to school, Sean would meet us in the morning. So Christian saw him in the morning. And then on Sean's way home, because we all, we lived in the same neighborhood. Um, in the evenings when he left work, when he got off from work, he would come by our house to see him before going home. And so we became more cordial with one another because of that, because I was seeing him every day and it was like, okay you know, at least I'll speak. (laughs) Um, And so at that time, I was really trying to live my life for Christ and really trying to do things right. Um, And there were a few other people in our church that were my age that were trying to do the same thing. And so we had tried to like, form this group and, you know, do Bible studies and um, hang out together so that we could hold each other accountable for our salvation, right? And so, Sean's mother came to me and she was like, I really think that you should, you know, invite him to it. And I was like, no, you know, like I'm just accepting him as my son's God father. I don't like him to be around him like this. And so um, she asked me a few times and I just felt like, how am I, you know, acting like I'm saved and I'm not really acting like I'm saved. (laughs) So um, he becomes a part of this group. And so we're all like, hanging out together, doing stuff together, reading our Bibles together, having Bible studies, praying together. And the group ended up dwindling down to three. It was me, another girl, and Sean. And then um, that girl ended up going away to school. And so it ended up being more so where me and Sean started spending a lot more time together. Um, So much so that, you know, we started actually becoming friends again. And like that friendship started really evolving into a very close friendship where um, Sean really became one of my best friends. Like we talked about everything. We shared any and everything just like best friends would. And there was nothing off limits that we didn't discuss. And so um, after a while of that, um, we started kind of, I started kind of feeling him again, but I was just like, but no, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's right. (laughs) So um, for a while, I pushed off those feelings because one, um, all of our lives, all of the time of me ever meeting, you know, when I first met him and he was Scooter, even until then, when we were calling him Scoot by that time, um, he was preached to, prophesied to, and told that he was going to be a pastor. He was going to be this phenomenal preacher. And I wanted no parts of being anybody's pastor's wife or anything like that. I just didn't see that for myself. And you don't want to be first lady Monique. No, Thomas. I don't want to be anybody's lady. I just wanted to be me. <laughs> so um, I didn't want that for myself. And so I kept fighting these feelings that I was having. And it was like a battle. Cause it was like, I'm, I'm really liking this dude, but I cannot allow myself to go there. And so I ended up having a dream that he was my husband. And I woke up from that dream literally crying (laughs) because I was just like, Lord, no, please. Um, But after the dream, it really started really kind of being something that was always like on my mind and like, what if this dude is my husband? You know, like, and what does this mean? And then it was like, well, is he feeling what I'm feeling? Am I the only person feeling this? You know, so it was all of these questions. Um, And so... I started being more intentional, you know, as when he would come over, I was more intentional of thinking through like how our discussions went and, you know, 
what what was what was the vibe I was getting, you know? And so I started noticing like, I think this dude does like me, you know? And so our conversation started steering towards um relationship, but more so like a if this were to happen, you know, like we were both trying to like scarily see right. if we liked each other. Um, if I was so, to get you some roses. Right. <laughs> if what I was color? to get you a teddy bear like this one right here for you, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and so as we started really kind of evolving from this friendship to this relationship, and we also, we had a fear of it because it was like, man, we know we dated as kids. We were, you know, in love as kids, but we really grew a really good friendship. and there was this fear of like, what if we try and make this work and it doesn't work, then what happens? And his fear of, I cannot lose Christian as my godson. That was like the, I almost felt like that was more important than, you know, <laughs> me and him. Um, but um, in that conversation, he ended up talking to me about the fact that um, he had gotten someone pregnant. And so he was like, before we even, you know, get serious. I need to tell you the truth. And um, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I got a girl pregnant. And so we had this conversation and he was just like, I don't know how you feel, but I really want us to have a relationship. I really want, he, he just poured out his heart and felt like he really felt like we were still supposed to be meant to be married. He always felt like, you know, we were meant to be, um, but now, how did you handle that? You know what? I sat there and I listened to him. But I guess for me, because I was sitting there on the opposite side of someone who accepted my child and loved my child so much. Um, yeah, we then true. had this discussion of, and I told him, I said, well, I can't knock you for having a child before marriage. and I'm br- And you already know I have a child before marriage. I said, but my concern is, is that you can't, you can't treat this child um, differently than you treat Christian. You have to treat this child better because this child is actually yours, you know? And so we had to have those discussions because he was so, um, at the time, what I felt, he was so in love with Christian and like this son, like, you know, him and Christian had these matching uh, Tweety Bird necklaces and like yes. anything Pooh Christian, Pooh, Pooh Bear, Bear neck, that's what it was, the Pooh Bear necklace. Um, anything he could do to be a part of Christian's life, he did. And so I was like, you know, this child comes, be- this child comes first. Like we're not married, you know, wherever this relationship is going, we'll see where it goes. But that's where this, what I felt, that's what was more important was you now have to be a father and then the godfather part, you know, kind of then will come after that. And so, um, kudos to you though, Mo, because kind of, again, you have lived a lot of life and you're still about 11 years old right now at this time. <laughs> Pretty darn mature for a 12 year old, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. So from there, you know, our relationship, grew and developed as a couple very quickly because we knew each other so well, right? But at the same time, it was growing and developing. He had a baby growing and developing at the same time. And so um, it got to a point where we started talking about marriage and um, he was very adamant about the fact that he wanted us to get married and um, all of that. Um, And we are... Um, at my mother's house in Dalton celebrating Christian's birthday and he gets the phone call that his baby is on the way. (laughs) So um, that was probably one of the weirdest situations was like, oh, he has to leave because his baby is coming. So that means that this baby could possibly be born on the same day as my son. Whoa, you know? (laughs) and so uh we you know the family was still there we celebrated christian's birthday and later i get the call that he actually did have um what i consider my god-given gift to this earth 
uh, which was Mount Ashley. Um, and so they actually share birthdays, which is so amazing. Isn't that so crazy? So funny. <laughs> so um, our relationship cultivated and grew um, while we were both being these young parents. And um, we ended up getting married at night. I was 19. He was 20. Um, got married in 1999. And so we came into the marriage with two kids. Um, and then we ended up actually having two additional girls, um, uh, Angela and Kayla. And so uh, we did this marriage thing. We did this parenting thing um, all by the grace of God, I would say. Um, we uh, knew what we wanted. We knew that we wanted a sustaining marriage we knew that we wanted a marriage that was going to last beyond us having kids and so and we knew that we were young and we knew that us being young didn't mean that it would last forever because we saw so many marriages falling off and so we developed things that made our marriage work we started you know doing date nights we started figuring out ways to communicate better. We worked on, um, we worked on our sex life. We worked on so many things to make sure that the health of our marriage was there because we knew how important that was for establishing our family, um, keeping our children stable and our household stable. And so um, for 13 years, I had this like, um, amazing, not perfect, but amazing marriage. And um, my children had an amazing father. And um, yeah, we did life together. We did ministry together. Um, most people who knew us knew we pretty much did everything together. <laughs> we worked um, at the same university. So we rode into work together. We rode home together. We We did pretty much everything together. So um, yeah, that's the cool story of me and Sean. Sister, are you ready to talk about October 17, 2011? Yeah, so um, the day before October 17th, uh, we were actually um, doing our normal date night. Um, actually, we were making up our date night because um, a few days before that, uh, it was actually Sweetie Day weekend and I had gotten sick. And um, we ended up in the emergency room for me and didn't know what was going on. And um, because of that, those date plans got kind of like completely like canceled. And um, the doctor recommended that I rest it for a full 24 hours. And so um, 
the 17th was that, um, the 16th, I'm sorry, was that Sunday. And we decided after church that we would do our date night thing because I was feeling better. And so um, we went on this date to Buca de Beppo. <laughs> this, um, at the time, it was like our first time actually going there. We had this amazing time. And um, it was funny. We we were very intentional about our day nights not being anything where we discussed anything about our kids. It was really, it was specific for us as a couple. Um, but this date night was different. We talked about all of our hopes and dreams for our kids. And he shared um, everything that he wanted to see happen in all of our kids' lives. He shared um, what he wanted for us. He shared what he wanted for what he wanted to see stem from us with our children. We had discussions about some of our closest friends, some of our family members, and just the hopes that we had for them, the prayers that we wanted to see come forth and manifest. And we even brought up the fact, like, this is so weird. We're having this discussion. Like, we usually don't talk about stuff like this, you know. Um, but I think the coolest thing about that date night is that we discussed some things in our marriage that were um, some things that weren't, um, I would say, uh, hindrances, but they were things that were um, hurtful and had never been addressed. Mm -hmm. And that night, we discussed those things and actually addressed them and brought resolution to them. And so it was just this weird night of just, I feel like we sat in a restaurant like three or four hours and just talk we closed the restaurant down and um drove home laughing joking typical monique and sean's way and um, we got home and uh i noticed my daughter kayla was crying and when i asked her what was wrong she said daddy said his chest is hurting and i looked over at him and i was like let's go let's go <laughs> We go into the hospital, let's go. And he's like, it's not that serious. And I was like, we are going. And so we drove to the hospital and, um, you know, they did any and every test uh, that they could at the time. And um, we were there for hours and the doctor came in and very quickly concluded that he should just follow up with his um, primary care physician, uh, do a stress test. Uh, but none of the tests that they took came back like abnormal, nothing like there was no signs of a heart attack, of a stroke or anything. And so um, went back home um, about an hour and a half, almost two hours later, um, he started yelling about this sharp pain he was having in his left leg. And it was a sharp pain, but his leg was also numb to the point where he could not walk. He couldn't move. He was just like in excruciating pain. And so we ended up having to call an ambulance to come and get him. Um, all of our kids were asleep except for my son. And um, Sean's brother was actually there at the time. And so um, they saw him get wheeled out. Um, so I do, re I remember that like so vividly. But, yeah, I remember um, that too. Yeah. So we went back to the hospital. As soon as we got back in there, the doctor was like, what are you guys doing back here? You know, like it was just a shock. And so we get in the room and um, the nurse is, um, you know, hooking him up to stuff. And she's trying to um, check for a pulse in his leg and wasn't getting anything. So she thought the machine wasn't um, working. And so she went to go get another one. And I was literally sitting there on my um, phone, sending an email to my job. It's like 1.30 in the morning by this time. And I'm sending an email to my job, like typing, won't be in the office. My husband isn't feeling well. We're at the emergency room. It's just, I knew it was going to be a long night. And I heard this noise that sounded like he was snoring. And so as I'm typing this message, I'm like, I cannot believe you were in all this pain and you just went to sleep that quick. <laughs> And when I looked over, I knew something was wrong. I thought he was having a seizure. Um, and so I'm yelling for the nurses to come back in and they come in and they're saying he's having a seizure. So they're trying to, you know, do things to help with the seizure. So I hop on the phone and I call um, 
my mom and I'm like, hey, pray because he's having a seizure. Call his mom, call his grandmother. Like, you know, we church people. So it's like bombard heaven with prayers. And I'm like, it's, yeah. it's a seizure. And so they're working on him and working on him. And then the next thing the nurse says, it's like, this isn't a seizure. He's having a heart attack. So then I call my mom back and I'm like, it's not a seizure. They're saying it's a heart attack. And so um, the next 36 minutes, I want to say, um, I stood there as this male nurse sat his entire body on top of Sean and beat on his chest to try and revive him back. And for 36 minutes, um, I logically tried to process what the rest of our life was. So um, I strategized that, you know, we were going to have to move our bedroom down to the first floor, give my mom the master bedroom because um, he wouldn't, you know, like he's going to have to have time to recover from this. And as the time kept progressing, I'm like, okay, he's going to have to, this is going to probably take a while. He's going to be in rehab. Like all of these different thoughts came to mind, but never once did I think he would die. That was never a part of my structure or my strategy. Um, I've always been a planner. I always think things out logically, but in that moment, death was never a part of my logic. And so I thought through the fact of like, you know, how do you, how do you figure out, you're going to have to encourage him as he learns to walk again. You're going to have to teach the kids how to handle him. Like all of this stuff is in my mind while I'm hearing doctors yell for, you know, all these different drugs to get him and to, you know, I'm watching this nurse constantly bang on his chest um, and all of this. And the doctor comes over to me and he's like, I, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't get it, but he's gone. And I looked at the doctor and I said, what? And it didn't register. Like it didn't, I couldn't, it wouldn't click. It, I couldn't get it to add up and it didn't make sense. And so um, the doctor went back and they worked a few more minutes on him. Um, but then the nurse was trying to pull me away and she was asking me like, do you have family or do you have anyone? who will come. And I was like, well, I can call my mom again. And so um, she started walking me out so that I could go call mom. And when the doors of the emergency room opened, mom and you guys, I think were there. And yeah. as soon as I saw mom, I just passed out. Yeah. Um, and mom, I think as sisters, we know this, but I think that was the day that I really realized that mom had some type of supernatural superpower because yes, she by, does. before my body hit the floor, my mother made it from the other side of that emergency room to catch me. Before the nurse could catch me, before anybody caught me, my mom was there catching me in her arms. And so, um, you know, and my mom being her, she's like, it's going to be okay, baby. We just gonna pray God is gonna heal him, and I'm like yelling to her like he's gone, you know. And that that was I think the first time that I realized that he was gone, um, and it hit me, and it just was a, a moment of devastation. And um, of course, then we had to call family, and we had to bring the kids. And um, can I give you my yeah. situation with the kids? And I remember when mom got the call the second time about the heart attack, she and I, we jumped up and we started praying mm -hmm. and we called his sister Burgundy and we we're all at the hospital and we are in this lobby calling down heaven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> praying. And so me seeing you, I mean, collapse in mom's arms, it still hadn't registered because I think you said they don't have a pulse. But not connecting, not having mm -hmm. a pulse means he's gone. And so mm -hmm. I did not even fathom that that had happened when, when mom told me I could go in the room. I'm thinking they've gotten him settled and he's probably sedated. Oh, wow. I walk in that room. No, before I can even get to the room, mom, she just birded out. Sean's gone. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? Just this, your brain does not connect to yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And seeing him there, 
it was devastating. And I did what any other Christian that believes in healing and miracles naturally (laughs) before I could even think I was praying for God to raise him, you Mm -hmm. know, from the dead and prayed and nothing changed (laughs) in that, Mm -hmm. in that moment. And so it was my assignment to go get the kids and bring them, but it was not my responsibility to tell them. So I'm trying to have a poker face of, oh my God. of it. And so I get to the house and thankfully the house wasn't far from the hospital and out to wake up the kids. And, you know, um, Christian is old enough. He's eyeballing me for everything, trying to catch mm-hmm. an emotion because he saw his dad leave the house. Yeah. So I'm like, Hey, everybody, get up. Um, we're going to go to the hospital, okay? <laughs> and so I wake up the girls. They're much younger. Chris is, you know, looking at me. And I can't remember if he asked me if everything was okay. But I know I didn't give an answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was one of those things of, like, I cannot explain that weight. And your youngest, Kayla, I'm trying to hurry up. Cause I don't know how long I'm not, I'm going to be able to keep this together. Yeah. I'm like, all right, y'all come on, get up. Just, you don't have to change. Just wear what you got. Kayla got some pink sponge rollers in her head <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to take them out so she could be presentable at the hospital. <laughs> and I'm trying to like, not freak out, but like, let's go. And I'm like, come on, Kayla. Like, I'm um, just, just come on, hurry up. Okay. And I'm seeing Christian still trying to catch something, you know, Mm -hmm. and getting to the hospital. And I just, I just hated that that was the experience that all of them had to have. Yeah. And just not being able to process being woke up from your sleep. Yeah, yeah. To not know what's going on and then mm-hmm. get to a hospital and you find out your dad is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's heavy. Very it's heavy. heavy. I think that um, waiting for them to come was probably what I felt was the longest time of my life ever. Because trying to process, how do you tell these kids that the man that they saw leave out with this smile? And um, Sean had these gorgeous dimples. (laughs) And um, to know that that was, for the most part, of course, my son saw him leave, you know, with the ambulance. But um, the girls, um, their last memory. Yeah, they were asleep. And so... um, it was so devastating to know that I had to be the one to tell them. And um, while I knew that we could have had the doctor say it, or we could have had even mom be strong enough and say it, I knew it was my job to do it. And so um, I don't even remember how I mustered up the strength to tell them. One thing that I do remember is that when I went back into the room after they had, you know, got all the tubes and everything out of shine, I was back there by myself. And um, I started praying. And my prayer was not this, it wasn't the typical Monique prayer of like, oh, we finna call down thunder and we're about to, you know, we're about to revive this body. Um, I started just naming off the things that me and Sean did for God. I named off the lives we saved. I tried to remember every single name, um, every single outreach ministry, you know, that we were a part of. I tried to name off the youth and the lives that we touched and the, the lives we affected. I tried to name off couples that, you know, still had their marriages because of us. I started naming off all of these things to say, you owe me this and you have got to bring him back. And um, I did that because I felt like I needed to 
state those things in faith to believe. It was almost like to me, I guess, I like to use analogies from things from my childhood because I had a very creative imagination when I was younger. And I think about Thundercats. <laughs> and it's like this this um, strength that I felt coming up inside of me as I was naming off all of these things that we did in the name of God. And right before I was about to start this prayer of Sean coming back, I instantly heard God say, he's with me. He's with me. And right before I felt like this devastation, I only felt like these arms wrapped around me and literally held me up almost in the same way as when I was falling and my mom caught me. And that's how I felt like I was being healed for about two and a half weeks from that moment on. Um, I literally felt like someone's arms were wrapped around me to say I am here. And so um, when I went and sat to tell the kids, that's what I felt. And I feel like the strength of God is the only thing that got me through that. Um, that day, there's so many memories to that day. There's so much hardship to that day. Um, but I also think that there's so much beauty to that day. The amount of people that came and flooded that hospital room, um, the emergency room, I should say, because he impacted so many lives. Um, the strength that my family had to be there for me and the kids, um, the beauty in all of our families coming together and weeping together as such a great loss, but also knowing the charge of his family still has to survive after this. And so um, these are things that I can say now in perspective, right? Yes. Um, but um, I remember sitting there, because we stayed in that ER for hours. <laughs> and I remember sitting there and um, all of these memories of him just started flooding my head. I've never been a person who understood why in movies they showed, you know, when people were in love, if one of them died, they always showed the love scenes. And it was just like, there was so much more to their relationship than them being in bed and always kissing. And I remember sitting in that hospital ER and Alicia Keys had just made a song. I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, like you'll never see me again yes yes that song and so that song started playing in my head and all I kept thinking about was us you know it wasn't the the hard times it wasn't the memories of us laughing it was all of the Monique and Sean moments of us being as a married couple in the relationship and it was my reality of something so beautiful that was lost. And I felt like I didn't have enough time. And so um, I sat there in that room knowing that all these people are here. But in that moment, I thought my life was over mm. and that it had ended. And, um, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know what that looked like for my children. I didn't know what that looked like for myself. I was this very logical person who could fix and strategize anything. And I didn't see anything positive happening after that. Um, I couldn't put together a, a plan. I couldn't put together what our family would look like. I couldn't put together anything in that moment. And it scared the life out of me. Um, but one thing I did know was that I was still feeling like I was being hugged and that God was right there with me. And so when it was time for us to leave, I told my mother, I said, I want everybody who's here. I want us all to go back to the house. And my mom was like, what? And I was like, I need laughter. And I said, I've sat here all this time and I've sat in sorrow and I've never sat 
this long and sorrow before in my life. And to go home and do the same thing. And that's not what our house was. Our house was full of so much laughter and life and joy. Um, I couldn't imagine going back to my house and dealing with the same weight. And so we told people, like, we're all going back to the house. You're more than welcome to come. But if you come, know that we are coming to laugh. And that's just what I felt like I needed laughter. And so um, people came and um, I don't remember how, but we just started having these funny memories of shine. And for hours we laughed and I feel like and there were moments where I cried in between and, you know, it was like, okay, enough, let's laugh again. <laughs> but um, It'd be like, you'd be cracking up. And then all of a sudden, just start <laughs> weeping and yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was like the perfect, beautiful, almost collide of support. Yeah, yeah. That you didn't have was. to do that alone. And we would laugh. Well, they would laugh. I don't. I honestly don't know if I laughed at anything. But when you cry, just the silence to allow yeah. you to have. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It was so heavy, but it was so light at the same time. I think that in retrospect and um, thinking through everything, I just feel like the story of me and Sean and even in his passing is so sovereign in God's eyes and that he knew the people who needed to be there. He knew the specifics and the dynamics of what needed to happen, the fact that we were all living together in the same house. You know what I mean? Like all of yeah. those things that made everything just come together and work was a God ordained thing, you know? Whew, I'm not gonna lie. Editing this episode has been so hard. I've put it off as long as I possibly could. But I hope that part one of Widowhood, When You Lose the Love of Your Life, with Monique Thomas, my big sister, who I'm so proud of, and everything that she has walked through and to see her overcome and keep becoming this just new, amazing woman. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Y'all, we couldn't fit this entire episode into one show. I mean, it was like really long. So (laughs) tomorrow part two will be released. What I need you to do is go and follow Monique now on Instagram. Mo Thomas underscore speaks. As you see, this is not the typical singles podcast, y'all. So if this episode touched you, let's define our relationship Go and subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Tiffany Hines Music or TiffanyHinesMusic.com. If you have any questions, topics, stories that you'd like to share with me, you can send me an email at AwkwardSingleLife at gmail.com. All your questions will be kept anonymous. Thank you and see you soon.